Welcome to the Solomon's Porch Podcast, the podcast from the worship experience of Solomon's Porch at Valdosta First United Methodist Church. We want you to be encouraged and inspired in your faith journey. So sit back and relax, unless you're driving or using heavy machinery, and enjoy. Dude, I am on. I'm on. Yeah. All right. Hey, I'm Kelly Barkle. Welcome to the porch. Give somebody a little knuckles. Give somebody some knuckles there. Yeah, next to you. There you go. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, yeah. This guy doesn't get no sleep ever. Hey, I want to thank you guys for being out this morning and thank just the church for allowing me to share my story this morning. And I just love any opportunity to brag on Jesus. And so I'm just going to dive right in and go back to really where it all started for me. About when I was six months old, the story was told to me that my mom had asked my grandmother if she would watch my brother and I. I have a brother that's a year and a half older than me. So my mom asked my grandmother if she would watch my brother and I while she went to the store. And so, of course, my grandmother said, yes, she would watch us while she went to the store. And, and so she left. And days went by and my mom didn't come back. Those days turned into weeks and mom didn't come back, turned into months and what had happened was my mom didn't go to the store. She was addicted to heroin at the time. And back in those days, in the early, in the late 60s, when you were, had an addiction like that, you were put in a mental institution. So I found out that my mom was put in a mental institution at the time for heroin. And then growing up from there, I was raised with my dad and my grandmother all the rest of my life. And man, was I just a messed up kid. I mean, I was ADHD on steroids, so I couldn't sit still, and I was all over the place, and I was hyper, and nobody would watch my brother and I together. They said, we only take one of them. Nobody, nobody, nobody was brave enough to take both of us together. And I was a mess. Listen, I was just fighting all my life from, you know, two years old on. I was thrown out of kindergarten, kicked out of kindergarten. That's not good. That's not a good start to the education. Um, in second grade, they asked my dad to come into the school. They set my dad down in the office and they said, sir, we're sorry to inform you, but he's not allowed in school anymore. And so they told my dad I was kicked out of school and I wasn't allowed back in unless he took me to the doctor. They said, this kid needs some medication. <laughs> Matter of fact, this is like the early 70s. So all y'all got kids on Ritalin? You can thank me for that because they experimented on me. I was like the experimental Ritalin monkey back in the early 70s. I was a mess, thrown out of second grade. Just, you know, my office uh, or my classroom was the desk next to the secretary uh, in the principal's office because no teacher would allow me to stay in class and so the teacher would grab my work and they would get to work and they would take it to the office and listen that went on all the way up to about 10th grade I wasn't allowed in class <laughs> I was a mess in fifth grade I failed at the end of the year I had 24 F's I broke the school record it's the only thing I ever won in elementary school most F's I was a mess. Sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Listen, I was that kid. Some of you, maybe you, you teach school, and, and I was that kid. I should have failed, but there wasn't no teacher going to hold me back. <laughs> they passed me right along. There's no way. In ninth grade, I was 14 years old, and at 14 years old, I became a blackout drunk on the weekends. 
We were doing drugs before school started. At 14, I was a mess. Most all my life, listen, nobody invited me to church. I didn't have a family member that went to church. I didn't know anybody in my neighborhood that went to church. I didn't know anybody in my school that went to church. I didn't have any friends that went to church. Through middle school and high school, nobody ever talked to me about God. I was never invited to church. Nobody ever invited me to a youth group. You can pretty much say that my life during that time, it was a godless existence. I didn't know God. I, I couldn't tell you if I believed in him or not. And then when I was in 10th grade, I started wrestling. And when I started wrestling, I was kind of good and I loved it and I was very competitive and so I wanted to win. And since I wanted to win, I quit doing all the drugs and alcohol and everything. In my warped mind, I thought if I do that one time, I'm gonna lose by one point and I ain't losing. <laughs> so wrestling kind of, you know, was something that God brought into my life to get some of that stuff out. But it was still a godless existence and I was still bad. In 11th grade, I started a huge riot at my school. I'm an inner city uh, school kid. We had one school. The way my school would look would be if you combine Valdosta High School and Lowndes High School together, that's where I went to school. <laughs> and I was the dummy that started the riot. I had stitches under my chin and stitches under both eyes. Still a mess. When I was 18 years old, I had been wrestling for three years at that time, and in the summertime, I was in a club, a lot like a wrestling club we have here in town. And it was one of those relationships where if I went over and I cut the coach's grass, he would buy me wrestling shoes, because I, I was a poor kid, I never had any money. If I went over, if I washed his car, he would make sure that somehow I got fed at wrestling tournaments and I got my uh, tournaments paid for. And so, it was, you know, it was just one, he just pulled me underneath his wing, he just poured love into me. And then when I was 18 years old, one time, he invited me to church. One man, one time, invited me to church. Listen, I was probably the least likely candidate, as you can imagine, to accept his invitation to church. And if not to accept his invitation at church, I was probably the least likely candidate that church would actually work for me. <laughs> and I went. And as I was over there speaking this morning at the main uh, the sanctuary, it, it was just, I just actually, when I was singing the songs at the beginning, I was over there crying. They're, they're probably wondering what was wrong with me. And uh, it was my church that I went to was exactly like that. It looked the same. Three rows of wooden pews, little old lady playing an organ in the back. There was no band, no music, no cool dude with a goatee up on the stage. Nothing. And I sat in a little wooden pew. And kept hearing week after week this guy saying that Jesus loved me. It didn't matter what I had ever done in my life. Jesus, was, Jesus don't know me then. <laughs> There's no way. And really after about five or six weeks, he gave this little invitation, it was called, at the end of the service. And everybody stood up and they were singing. And he was talking about heaven that day. And that if you want to go to heaven, you... You have to accept Jesus. So if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I thought, well, man, I'm a punk kid, but I want to go to heaven. And listen, you got to understand at this time, it wasn't one of those deals where I was so bad and I wanted Jesus because I wanted Jesus to make me good. I liked being bad, <laughs> but I wanted to go to heaven. And I did believe that Jesus was who he said he was. 
So I remember going forward and sitting in the little wooden pew, and this little old lady, about 65 years old, sat next to me. She asked me a couple questions. She said, Kelly, do you believe that Jesus died for you? I said, yeah, I do. I probably said, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. She said, do you believe that he rose from the dead and that he still lives? I said, yeah. Listen, I got to tell you, man, there were no fireworks. There was nothing happened that day. You know, not, nothing. I didn't know. I didn't even know I was supposed to change. Nobody talked to me afterwards. Nobody said, hey, this kid needs to be discipled. Hey, let's invite this kid, you know, here or there and let's meet with him, take him out for breakfast. That would have been cool. Nobody took me out for breakfast. <laughs> nothing. But all of a sudden, as weeks went by, there were things that I had done all my life, horrible things that all of a sudden I didn't want to do anymore. There was language that had come out of my mouth since, two, since I was two years old that all of a sudden I'm not comfortable saying anymore. And listen, I didn't know church stuff. I didn't know what was supposed to happen. But I got to tell you, that morning in that little old church sitting in that wooden pew, Jesus came into my life. And he rescued me in an extraordinary way. He rescued me right in that moment. And I've never been the same since that moment. I should have never went to college. Listen, I failed all the way through school. And then 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, I just cheated because I wanted to pass because I wanted to wrestle. And so I still didn't learn much. But then all of a sudden, this little church group from the Baptist Student Union and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, they came to a, this little old church that one Sunday morning. And afterwards, I don't know if the pastor paid them or what, but they all came to me. He must have said, hey, that bad that kid needs need, need some help. <laughs> they talked to me about college, and I was like, you don't understand. <laughs> I mean, I had never written a paper. I had never read a book. I graduated with add, subtract, and divide because I was kicked out of algebra in eighth grade. Never let me back in. So I went to college. When I went to college, I just started sharing my story. On the, Every weekend, we would travel to a school or to a church to a lay witness weekend at different Methodist churches and different schools doing fellowship with Christian athletes. And I was just able to share my story and just talk about what God had done into my life and how he rescued me. And I just seen hundreds of students begin to cross the line of faith and ask Jesus to come into their life. All because one person, one time, would tell them, about Jesus and then I met this girl in college and when I met this girl it was wild because she had read the Bible already at 19 years old she read the Bible from Genesis to Revelations she read the entire Bible but she had never been to church and she didn't know Jesus she knew the whole Bible she read the whole thing word for word page for page verse for verse chapter for chapter but she still did not know Jesus as her personal Lord and Savior. And I invited her to an FCA event one time at a skating rink and we rolled or we ice skated and stuff like that. And then afterwards, students were sharing their testimony kind of like I'm doing this morning. And this guy got up and he started talking about his daddy who was God. And at that time, that girl that I had invited, she had never recognized God as a father in a personal way. And during the invitation that night, she moved down to the front. And she said she wanted to ask Jesus into her life. And I was next to her and I was able to kneel down and pray. 
as she prayed and crossed a lot of faith and asked Jesus to come into her life. And that girl at that FCA event, her name was Polly. And Polly's now my wife of 23 years. And listen, she just loves Jesus and she loves sharing Jesus with other people. And if you were to ask her what her story is, come on, say it with me. One man, one time, told her about Jesus. It was amazing. And then listen, my dad, who at about 64 years old, I'd not been to church all his life. Where I grew up in the city, we had one church and three bars on every corner. And if you wanted to find my dad, he was at one of those three bars. <laughs> I remember times growing up where the ladies had thrown me underneath the pool table when fights had broke out and fights were going all over in the bar and me and my brother were underneath the pool table because we were raised with my dad and my grandmother. And I never heard my dad talk about God, but as I accepted Christ and began, you know, just allowing God to change my life, my dad seen what God had done in my life. And he's still, you know, he's a little curious. But he's like, eh, I don't know, you're just, you know, I was the good kid because I was the only one that didn't drink or cuss or smoke or chew and didn't marry a girl that dude and uh, uh, no, nothing. And so I was like the good kid. And so they didn't care what had happened. They just was glad that there was one good one. And so my stepsister had passed away. She died from alcohol poisoning when she was 38 years old. I lived in Oregon at the time, so I drove, uh, flew home 2,500 miles away. And I got to, I just knew that I needed to just really share God's plan of salvation and exactly tell them exactly what happened, that it wasn't church that saved me. You see, they had always thought that when I started going to church, I became a better person. And I let them believe that. And so I knew that at this time, in this moment, that I needed to make sure that they knew that it wasn't church that changed my life. It was Jesus that changed my life. And I found Jesus at that church. And so when I was driving home from the funeral, I was with my stepmom. And my dad was driving separate. And I got to talk to my stepmom and just really present God's plan of salvation. How one man came into the world and messed it all up. That's Adam in Romans chapter 5 all through there. Talks about how one man one time messed everything up, brought sin into the world. But then one man, Jesus, came into the world to rescue us all from that sin. And my stepmom on that drive home from the funeral after she had just lost her 38-year-old daughter to alcohol. She prayed and she asked Christ to come into her life. And then that same weekend, I got to talk to my dad, who was about 64 years old at the time. And my dad didn't say yes to anything. My dad didn't confess his faith. He didn't believe at the time. But a couple weeks later, when I was in Oregon, I got a phone call from my dad. It was a Sunday afternoon. And my dad said, Kelly, he said, I just wanted to let you know I went to church today. I said, Dad, you went to church today? I said, Dad, that is like, that's the best gift that you could have ever given me. And I thought it was so awesome. Listen, every day, every week, every Sunday, my dad would go to church. And about six months later, uh, we were going from Oregon back home for Christmas. And we got there for Christmas. And I, could, I was so excited because I knew that this Christmas, I was going to go to church with my dad. For the first time ever, I was going to my dad's church. And I remember waking up in the morning. Well, I couldn't wait to go to church that day. <laughs> 
He'd been going for about six months at that time. And it was Christmas service, so they had a cantata, you know, with the choir and everybody sang. They sang almost the whole time. And the preacher came up. He talked for about 10 minutes about how God carried baby Jesus down the staircase of heaven and brought Jesus into the world through a Virgin Mary. How Jesus lived and he died for us. I mean, it was the plan of salvation. Just, you know, what we need in, in uh, 10 minutes. And afterwards, they started singing this invitational song. And as they started singing, I just grabbed my dad's hand. My dad, he's about six foot tall, 275 pound, mostly beer belly. And, and I just ignored everything else that was going on. I just let everybody sing. And as my dad had my hand, I just looked up and asked him. I said, Dad, I said, do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? My dad looked at me, his tears began to flow down his face, and he said, just like this, he said, yes, I do. I said, Dad, you believe that Jesus died on a cross for our sins and, and that he lives today? He said, yes, I do. And about that time, he started to make his way out a little aisle down to the front of this church, and as we were walking down, his pastor came and joined us, and we were all standing in a circle with my dad, 64 years old, never been to church. Listen, you can't give, count nobody out. Don't give up on anybody. Doesn't matter what their background, doesn't matter what their past, doesn't matter how much Jesus they've had or how much church they've had, doesn't matter what they know or don't know. And one of the most awesome moments to this day in my entire life is bowing my head next to my dad with his head bowed and hearing him pray a prayer, probably the first prayer he'd ever prayed out loud in his life, saying that he believed in Jesus and asking Jesus to come into his life. Come on. You know why? Because one man, one time, told him about Jesus. And listen, this one man is nothing special. Nothing special. I'm no different than you. As a matter of fact, I'm sitting right there where you're sitting most every Sunday. But I know that the Bible says that people need to be rescued from themselves, from their own sin. And it doesn't matter if they were like me and had just messed up all their life or if they were like my wife who had read the Bible all the way through or if you've been in church since nine months before you were born. Listen, if you've never confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord because you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you are still sinking in your own stuff. You need, Jesus is reaching down and you need to reach back up and allow him to rescue you from your sin, from your mess. And then it continues to just go on. I remember I was in Oregon one time or where we lived in Oregon and we were at a camp meeting. And at this camp meeting, it, it was an old camp meeting. There was, you know, a thousand people there. It was an outdoor thing, late night services. And one night, at the end of it, it was about 11 o'clock. And it was one of those nights where I was down at the altar and I was just touched by God. I mean, I had stuff coming out of my nose and my ears and my eyes. I was just a sloppy, I was a sloppy man. I mean, it was just, it was one of those unique, powerful times. And when I got up, even though it was so late, I just had this sense that God wanted me to tell somebody that Jesus loved them. And I'm not one of those people who, you know, say, well, God spoke to me and God said to do this. Because, listen, I'm ADHD, so I hear voices all the time. I got to be careful. I got to be careful with telling people that God told me something. I never know. <laughs> Most of the, if I, I know it's God when it's through my wife. She's, always, she's good. 
And I just knew, and I told Polly. And we're, we're in a strange city. We're in Salem, Oregon, which is like three and a half hours away from where we live. It's the only time I had ever been there. I said, Polly, I just feel like God, I'm supposed to tell somebody that Jesus loves them. And she said, well, you go tell somebody that Jesus loves them. I'm going to bed. <laughs> so I got in the car and I started driving around Salem, Oregon at midnight. I didn't know anybody. And every time I saw somebody, I would, I would pray in my heart like, God, is, is that who I'm supposed to talk to? And I was so uncomfortable and I was so embarrassed. I was so scared to just stop somebody in the middle of the night. And I did this, listen, I did this probably a hundred times with a hundred different people. And finally I seen this Hispanic guy with a big bubble coat on, I couldn't see his hands, but he went in, this is about two o'clock in the morning now. He goes in and he sits down at a little bus stop. And I'm praying again, God, is that who I'm supposed to talk to? And I just finally, for the first time all night, have this peace come over me. Like I knew that that was the one. So I pulled into this parking lot behind the little bus shelter. And I went, I sat down across from him. And now I'm, now I'm praying, okay, God, how do I start this conversation? What do I do? Two o'clock in the morning. And I'm from the hood. I'm thinking, he's got a gun. I don't, I'm scared. So finally I say, okay, God, this is up to you. It's late. So I just scoot over next to him. And I just say, hey, my name's Kelly. And he looks up at me because he kind of had his elbows on his lap, his hands, face in his hands. And he said, in his broken English, he said, my name is Eduardo. I said, Eduardo, I said, I just want you to know that, that Jesus loves you. And he looked up at me and tears started falling down his cheek. He said, 20 minutes ago, I prayed to God to send me an angel. I said, man, he sent me instead. <laughs> That's exactly what I told him. He laughed just like that. And man, we started talking. I said, are you hungry? He was hungry. We went to a little sub sandwich place that was open all night. I got him something to eat. And then now I'm feeling like God wants me to invite him back to this convention with me, to this camp meeting where I'm staying in a 10 foot by 10 foot dorm room with my wife and my like eight year old son. And so I invite him to come back. Now listen, I wanted to keep my marriage. And so I knocked on the door next to me where three youth pastors were staying. <laughs> At two o'clock in the morning when they opened the door, this is the God's honest truth. This is all I said. I said, hey, my friend is here from out of town. Can he crash with you guys for the rest of the night? <laughs> and he's in his like undies, you know, and stuff. He said, yeah, man, bring him in, bring him in. And so I, I let him go in there and all night, I couldn't sleep. I was praying <laughs> like, God, please let them be alive next day. <laughs> so I got up at the break of dawn, knocked on the door <laughs> just to make sure they were all alive. <laughs> and uh, they were alive. It was good. We went through this camp meeting a couple more nights. And before that last night was over, Eduardo, I seen him make his way down during an invitation to cross the line of faith as he asked Jesus to come into his life. And one of the most exciting phone calls I've ever had, and we stayed in contact with each other for a long time when I moved to Valdosta. I got a phone call, and it was Eduardo. And I answered the phone. I knew it was him. He said, hey, Kelly. <laughs> I said, Eduardo, it's you. How you doing? 
He said, he was so stoked. He said, Kelly, he said, I just want you to know. He said, I am driving a big truck and it's full of lumber. He said, and we're on our way to Mexico. We're going to go build a church, man. I was like, Eduardo, that's amazing, man. Listen, you know what Eduardo's story is? Come on, man, say it with me. One man, one time, just told him about Jesus. And it goes on and on and on. Listen, just recently, in the past couple years, I opened CrossFit Wintersville. And the whole reason, the number one purpose to open CrossFit Wintersville is because I got tired of being around just all church people. No offense, you know, don't mean no offense. But as a pastor, I was always in, with church people and I had found myself just in the church office during the week. And listen, I just love to be around people who don't know Jesus. And I wasn't. I'd found myself for two or three years just, you know, out of that. And I want to be that person. I want to be that one man in somebody else's life like that one man was in mine. And so just had some awesome experiences the past few years. One of the first things, a guy had come in, and he was actually from a different CrossFit, but he had known me over there. And so when he was having some troubles and some things were going on with his, in his marriage, and I got a phone call one day, and I was at CrossFit Wintersville, and he said, Kelly, man, he said, I just, I'm at a place. He said, I, I know that I need God. He said, I didn't know who else to call. He said, but you. I said, man, let's meet somewhere. He said, can I come? Are you at the office? I said, yeah, come on over. So he came over to CrossFit Wintersville. And he sat down at the office and we just started talking and he just started pouring his heart out about how God had been, you know, he felt like God was working in his life and all these people were coming into his life that knew God and, and, he, and things were happening in his marriage and it was falling apart and he didn't know what to do. He said, Kelly, he said, I just need God. He said, can you, can you give me God? I, I said, I can help you with that. <laughs> And I started to tell him about Jesus and just tell him what Jesus had done into my life and how Jesus can save him and rescue him and also rescue his marriage. And that day, he asked Jesus to come into his life. Rodney was his name. Is his name. And man, from there, you know, Rodney went back to his CrossFit and we, we had prayed and he started going to church and he, he he would call me weeks and months even later and he said Kelly man he said I just want you to know he said man my wife and I are praying together he said we're going to church together he said she's made commitments to Christ in her life and and uh, and, and then he moved away from Valdosta and I, I still hear about him or see see him and he's still just involved he still loves Jesus come on man because and listen this is what this was and this is what happens more frequently than anything else because people I share some stories and people think wow man Kelly's pretty bold he probably he just approaches people and tells them about Jesus I got to tell you honestly most of the time people approach me people approach me and it's not because I'm any different but listen this extraordinary series when you want to make a difference in the world if you want to make an impact in the world live an extraordinary life for Jesus that's different than what the world lives and people will come to you and they want to know what you got. They want to know where that joy come from. They want to know how you are able to live the way you live when you live an extraordinary life for him. And that's what had happened. 
And then another guy that came into CrossFit, his name was Hop. Now listen, Hop's a military guy. When he first came in, he was rough on the edges. And, and you know, people don't know that I'm a Christian or that even my background or anything like, and, like that. And so just, you know, he came into CrossFit and knowing I was the owner. And I mean, he was just, you know, blankety blank this and blankety blank that. I mean, he was just a rough dude, man. I mean, he was loud and obnoxious and just, you know, language was off the chart. And he was an atheist. He didn't believe in God. Didn't, you know, believe in the existence of any God, any spiritual, anything. And, and we didn't even get along very well. I had to talk to him several times. Said, Listen, man, because he's one of those people that just like to yell at people. Yeah, you can do it. Ah! I said, man, we don't yell at people here. You got to, you got to calm down. Well, well, I like to, I'm a, uh. I said, no, no, you got to calm down. Hop, we call him Hop. His last name is Hopkins. And, um, so, but we just kept praying for Hop. And we got other coaches at CrossFit Wintersville that, that know Jesus. And, and we just, you know, we, we all liked Hop. And uh, I'll never forget, we were still having Sunday morning services. And uh, I got up to speak. And uh, here comes Hop in the back door of the church. And I thought, wow, I just uh, praise God. Like, this is awesome. And, and I didn't see him come in until I spoke because what I found out later, and he did, and he started coming every Sunday. And what happened was, because listen, he didn't like church stuff really, and he didn't, he didn't know any of the music. He hated the music. And uh, so what happened was he would stay outside, and he would text one of our other CrossFit coaches who came to church, and, he, and they would text him when the music was over because he didn't want to come in for the music because he hated Christian music, but he wanted to be there for the speaking. And so he did this every day for about three, three months. And then he was getting out of the military. And he was getting out of the military, and his last day was on a Friday. So when I saw him on Friday, when he was getting out of the military, I gave him a hug at CrossFit. And I said, man, I'm just, I'm so excited for you. I'm so glad, you know, you've been, you've been coming to church. And, you know, I knew that he hadn't made any kind of commitments or anything like that. And he said, oh, he said, I'm not leaving today. I said, I said you got out of the military, and you, you're, you're in Kansas, and you ain't been home forever, and I said, you ain't leaving today. He said, no. He said, I'm leaving after church Sunday. From that conversation till I got up there to speak on Sunday morning, I said, God, I know you're going to do something in Hop's life. <laughs> I just knew it. And I shared a message, and at the end of it, I asked everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. And, and I said, listen, if there's anybody here that has never confessed your belief in Jesus, that he is who he says he is, I said, I just want you, with everybody else's eyes closed, I said, I want you to look up and make eye contact at, at me and just and lift your hand up so I see you. And, and I'll never forget, man, Hop sitting back in the back corner because he came in after the music. <laughs> Boy, he lifted his head up, and he raised his hand. He just, just, just as if to say, you see me, Kelly? You see me? And I just looked at him back. I was way to go, Hop. I just wanted to give him some knuckles. And then the whole church prayed with him. We prayed as he crossed the line of faith. And then he moved back to Kansas. He's been back to Kansas about a year now. A few months ago, he had called me and he said, Kelly, man, I just wanted you to know. He said, I, I think I found a church that I really like. He said, I've been going. And he said, they have these things called home groups or something that are trying to get me to go to. And, and uh, he said, I'm thinking about going. I said, no, Hop, really. I said, Hop, you need to go to those home groups. I said, because they don't sing. They don't do music. I said, <laughs> I said you're going to love home group. <laughs> and then let me end with this. 
probably one of the most meaningful stories for me is when we first opened CrossFit Wintersville. And listen, th this is me now just being just like most of you, not, not being a pastor, not a full-time pastor. I mean, I just started a business. And, and so listen, no matter where you are, no matter what place you are in life, God wants to use you to help to rescue others. I mean, that's God. God's plan is you. That's it. God's plan is you to impact other people. And so the very first week we opened CrossFit Wintersville, this guy came in with a UK t-shirt. And I'm from Kentucky, and if you're from Kentucky, you love UK, or you're just not from Kentucky. <laughs> and I started talking to him, hey, UK, I'm from Kentucky. And we found out he graduated 15 minutes from where my wife graduated high school. So we really hit it off, man. We just became friends. We would go every year to the Florida and UK basketball game and stuff like that. And this guy, too, was another guy who'd only been in church about two or three times in his life. But this is one of the greatest guys, nicest guys, most generous guys you could ever meet in your life. His name is Josh Sullivan. Josh Sullivan was a pediatric dentist here in town, worked at South Georgia Pediatric Dentistry. And man, we just had so much fun together. And after we'd known each other, he'd been coming to CrossFit for, you know, about a year. And, and again, I'm not one of those people, you know, I'm like, hey, come to church every Sunday, you know, and just because in Valdosta, you just can't do that because people get asked every Sunday. And so it, it's actually it's actually kind of annoying on the unchurched person side. And so you have to live the life to make them ask questions to you. And so Josh, you know, one Sunday I'd seen him in church. And then the next Sunday and from the next Sunday on, he would stop by Winn-Dixie and buy breakfast for the whole church every Sunday morning. This, this guy didn't even know Jesus and he was buying breakfast for the whole church. That's cool. <laughs> and that's when I was eating donuts too. And it wasn't but about, you know, four months later that we were having a baptism service. And I was over at his house. He was cooking me a steak. He just made the best steak in the world. And so I was over at his house. He was cooking me a steak. And he said, Kelly, he said, I want to be baptized. And I knew he hadn't made a, any kind of commitment to Jesus. And so I said, well, why do you want to be baptized? He said, well, and he started to tell me. I said, Josh, I said, it sounds like you, you believe, man, that Jesus died for you he said yeah I do I said well baptism is something you know that that we do it's a way to just tell the world what's happened on the inside I said Josh do you want to pray and ask Jesus to come into your life he said yeah and he had said it so well usually I'll say hey repeat after me or something but just me and him at, in his living room at, in his kitchen living room kind of area I said Josh why don't you just tell God what you just told me and we bowed our heads and man he said the most beautiful prayer asking Jesus to come into his life that I'd ever heard two weeks later he was baptized about nine days later we got a phone call I got a phone call early in the morning. They said, Kelly, they said, we want you to know that we found Josh at his house. He had died this morning. And Josh had had something going on with his heart that had probably been there all his life. This guy was healthy as can be, 38 years old, crossfitting every day, healthy as can be, and just found dead. Because you don't ever know. You don't ever know when your time is. And I'm going to ask Justin and then if they'll come, and as they come and begin to play some music, listen, I want to give a two-fold challenge. 
One challenge is to those of you who you're believers. You know Jesus. And the challenge is this. Listen, have you been keeping Jesus to yourself? Because I guarantee you that there is someone somewhere in your life that needs to know him. And we need to not let fear of rejection or fear of anything else keep us from sharing just our story. You say, well, Kelly, I don't know the Bible. Well, Kelly, I don't know, you know, church stuff. But listen, if there's a time in your life where you've allowed Jesus to come in and rescue you, then you have a story. And nobody can argue about your personal story. They can say, well, I don't believe the Bible. But they can't say that you're lying to them. It's your story. So the first challenge is this. To those of you who know Christ, I challenge you to go public today saying that you will be more bold. You will be more intentional to share Jesus with people that God brings into your life. And then second is this. For those of you who are here this morning and maybe you've never surrendered your life fully to him. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, period, point blank. It's not about that you've read the Bible from beginning to end. It's not about that you come to church every Sunday. It's not about that you've changed some things and now you're a good person, you're better than you used to be. It's do you confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is because you believe in your heart, honestly, that God raised him from the dead. So I'm gonna pray and we're gonna sing and I'm gonna invite you to come in a moment. God, I just pray in Jesus' name that every single believer who is here, God, that you would just, through the power of the Holy Spirit, move in us in such a powerful way that you just make us to be intentional about sharing our faith. God, help us to not keep you closed up in this little box called our hearts, but help us to be bold, help us to to interact with people, to pray that you would bring people into our life. And when they begin to ask questions, that we would just plain and simply tell them who you are. And God, we do pray that if there's any one person here who maybe has been coming to church, and maybe this is their first time in church, but God, they don't know you, but they believe in you. God, that we pray that they would cross the line of faith today and confess that they do believe. God, that today would be today, the day of their salvation, that they allow you to rescue them from themselves and from the sin that we're all in. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Solomon's Porch Podcast. We hope you heard some good practical news in this episode that you can apply to your life. If you'd like, we'd love for you to review our podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. You can also support our ministry by going to theporchvaldosta.com slash give. Until next time, stay classy, listening friends.